I already had someone come up and they're like, you're doing a Christmas sermon, right? Otherwise, we're out of here. It's like, yeah, we're doing a Christmas. We're going to talk about Jesus, right? So um, anyway, what we just experienced and what we, you know, get to experience every week, to me, it, it, uh, to me, if there's any maybe imagination of some of the earliest days of the first century church and what they were doing when they were gathering from house to house in, in prayer and in songs and um, in the word and the breaking of bread, it, it's close to that where we get to come together corporately and hear from um, every component of the body instead of just one guy that runs the show. Um, it, it, it's such a blessing to me, and I know it's such a blessing to everybody else when we all buy into this thing and pay into this thing, and we all share what God is doing with us in our lives um, as a whole, because he's working all the time through every one of us. And to be able to lift up um, people whose uh, hearts are broken right now uh, together and to bear that burden together um, is part of the deal. That's, that's part of what we get to do, which is also a privilege and also a blessing. And so um, I, I just really appreciate uh, your guys' honesty um, and the fact that you guys come up and, and have something to share with the rest of us to encourage us and lift us up. So it's a good time. Um, I'm not going to have you open your Bibles anywhere today um, because we just don't need them. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, we, really, we really do need them. Um, I'm not, this is going to be a shotgun sermon, all right? Uh, this is going to be a machine gun sermon, actually. So what that means is that this is going to, this is going to, we're just going to rapid fire. I'm going to rapid fire some stuff at you. And I, there will be verses in there and references in there. Um, but uh, you can go back later. You can listen to the recording if you need to write those down and look into those references. But I don't have an actual text that we're going to start in today. Um, if you are like me, um, right now is crunch time. It's for Christmas. It's crunch time. Uh, this is the first day of Christmas week. Um, I haven't done Jack. I have, all, I have pretty much everything left to do in the next like four or five days. Um, and some of you might too. Um, so as far as, you know, you know, presents getting done, food getting prepped, um, just plans being made, houses getting ready, um, you know, visitors uh, preparing for that. There's just, it's probably, it's probably a whirlwind time, which means that it's a time when it's easy for us to get um, caught up in the secularism of the season. And usually, if we get caught up, too caught up in the secularism of the season, Jesus tends to get lost somewhere because we're too busy with other things, all right? And so every once in a while, what I like to do for myself is I like to ask myself a question to recalibrate my brain, to get me anchored again in why this time of the year matters so much. What's infinitely significant about Christmas is I ask myself this question, and this is what we're going to talk about today. What if Christ had never come to this earth? What if Christ had never come to this earth? Now, the way that we're going to do this today um, is not going to be very comprehensive. It's not going to be um, extremely detailed because there's simply too much. Like if you start to reflect on the implications of Christ never coming to this earth, like it will be a list that I think would just continue the more that you, the more that you think about it. But I'm going to try to like break this into a bite-sized deal this morning so that, so that we can all at least chew on it a little bit. And um, my, my prayer is that it would be a, a blessing for all of us um, once again, that there would be a freshness, a newness, 
as far as where our brains go to and where our hearts go to um, during Christmas um, and be able to parse out the things that are insignificant from the things that are infinitely significant. And I'm gonna break this into three categories asking the question, what if Christ never came to this earth? One's gonna be universal or globally, meaning how it affects everybody that's ever lived on this earth, believer or non-believer, okay? The second category will be how it, it would affect us as believers who currently enjoy everything that we enjoy as the church. And then the third one will be how it would affect the life to come, future, right? And I know that this is kind of going to be a lot, but we'll, like I said, I'm just going to fire through this, so um, try to stay with me as best that you can. All right, here we go. One of the things that I hear a lot when having conversations with non-believers is how much Christianity and the church, and maybe you've heard this too, maybe you haven't, you will, if you, if you keep walking on this earth, how much uh, Christianity and the church and Jesus for the last 2,000 years has damaged the world. Damaged. Anyone ever heard anyone say that to you? I've heard it a lot. That is that Jesus and Christianity have been the leading cause in many of the world's mistakes and problems. This thinking is nothing new. The first century church in the first century church, an angry mob that was rioting over the preaching of the apostles said to the authorities concerning Paul and Silas in Acts chapter 17, verse 6, these who have turned the world upside down have come here too. They're trying to get these guys arrested and basically killed the apostles because they're messing with things. They're messing things up culturally. They're messing things up morally. They're messing things up spiritually. For the world, they're turning it upside down. So they didn't mean that as a compliment when they said that. It's funny, I, I used to hear that verse and think, wow, what a compliment. Like, yeah, we're turning the world upside down. And in the sense that you and I look at what we're doing and what Christ is doing through the church, we are, in a good way, turning the world upside down. But that's not what they meant by it. They were complaining about these guys because they're messing up the system. They're saying not only is Jesus not the solution, he's the problem. One century after this angry mob said this about Paul and Silas, the pagan writer Celsus blasted Christians saying, you use all the force of your magic art to accomplish the ruin of mankind. German philosopher Friedrich Nietzsche said Christianity is one of the immortal, is the one, sorry, immortal blemish on mankind. He's also the guy that coined the phrase, God is dead. His writings would later, to become one of the, later become one of the biggest influences of one Adolf Hitler, who would go on to kill millions. 20th century British philosopher Bertrand Russell said, Christianity is the principal enemy of moral progress in the world. In other words, what we hear today that Christianity is a detriment to mankind is nothing new. It's just the same age-old tactic of the secular assault on the church and on Jesus. That Christianity is bad for the world has been going on for 2,000 years, and the question is, are they right? Which brings us to category number one. 
Let's consider briefly the world at large, globally, universally, historically, had Jesus never come to this earth. Father Francis Martin, a theologian at John Paul II Cultural Center in Washington, D.C., said Jesus Christ has been the most powerful influence in the history of the world. A dude named uh, Vishal Mangalwadi, I know, don't try to say it, an author, intellectual, social reformer in India said Jesus is the single most important force behind the creation of the modern Western world. Just one evidence of this, according to Mangalwadi, this dude, is in pointing to the elimination of city, the burning of Indian widows. When their husbands would die in India, not long ago, they would then burn the wives too. One example of a most positive cultural change in India because of followers of Jesus Christ bringing the gospel to India and the idea to India that you don't burn your women just because their husbands die. Why? Because women have value. That's Christians that did that. And those stories are countless in barbaric cultures. Countless of Christian missionaries coming in with the gospel of Jesus Christ and it turning their world upside down in a good way. What would the earth be like had Jesus never come? Science. Let's consider science. Francis Bacon, often regarded as the father of the scientific method, said natural philosophy, which is the study of nature, is after God's word, the surest medicine, medicine for superstition, and also the most approved nourishment of the faith. And so she, referring to science, is rightly given to religion as a most faithful handmaiden. In other words, science and faith are buddies, not enemies. Science and faith are friends, not foes. Many upon many of the greatest scientists in history were Christian. Do you know that? Many of the greatest ones that we've ever had were followers of Jesus Christ. It's only in the modern era or age of enlightenment that we've been brainwashed to think that science and God are incompatible. It's not true. No, God, the Bible, and Christians have nothing to fear in regards to the revelations and observations that science can bring to us. But understand that most of what we know today, scientifically, the knowledge that we have concerning the universe and everything in it, is a direct result. It's directly due to the fact that most great scientists throughout history were Christians. And the reason why they endeavored into the arena of science is because they were blown away by creation. <coughs> Excuse me. They were blown away by what God had produced and done. And because of that, they wanted to understand how he did it. That was the motivation for these guys going into their scientific endeavors. They were intrigued and wanted to know how God did it. See, their faith in the creator God was their inspiration for their scientific endeavors, not the other way around, not to prove against the existence of God. They were intrigued to further understand how God operates in and over the universe, and so they were influenced and motivated by the knowledge, belief, and conviction that God brought all of this into existence and makes it go. And had Jesus never come to this earth, we would not know half of what we know scientifically today. Let's talk about university, schools, literacy, education for a second. 
Did you know that the first 200 years of this country's history, education was explicitly Christian? Not in the sense that we were trying to force other people to be Christians that weren't Christians, because that wouldn't be very Christian, and it actually doesn't work that way, but in the sense that it was largely Christians who were driving the importance of good, quality, accessible education for the masses. And as a result of this, in the early 1800s, John Adams observed that to find an illiterate man in New England was as rare as a comet. Why? Because of Christians. Christians educated people. According to Dr. Paul Mayer, professor of ancient history at Western Michigan University, said the university was born in the bosom of the church which means the church was primarily responsible for the creation of educational institutions. Alexander Murray, a retired history professor at the Oxford, Oxford University, agrees. He says the church had a lot to do with the birth of the university. The church positively encouraged the creation of schools and the financing system in schools. How about Harvard? Harvard instructed students to, quote, lay Christ at the bottom, meaning at the foundation of everything. It means Christ is preeminent in all of our education and everything that we learn and everything that we build on, Christ is the foundation, right? Which is ironic, considering that this saying still suits Harvard today perfectly, except with a different meaning, because they have indeed placed Christ now at the bottom. He is nowhere to be found in that institution. Merely every one of the first 123 colleges founded in the United States were established by Christians for the benefit of the masses and the common people at large. It's amazing. And what do we often hear today? Christians are intellectual fools. They live by ignorance, not intellect. Maybe not. Harvard, Yale, Princeton, Dartmouth, and Brown all exist because Christians exist. If Jesus had not come to this earth, education would be a fraction of what it is and what it has been in this world. How about representative government and authority over society? Don't don't throw anything at me, all right? Representative government and authority over society, even if there's ungodly people in government, even if they do ungodly things, Okay, we need that hierarchy, that authority of law and structure for our good, for the good of mankind. It's not a detriment, it's a blessing that we have it. Have you ever seen Lord of the Flies? The movie doesn't end well. The reason the movie doesn't end well, or the book, I, re, I, I watch the movies because books are too much work, and the movie still did it. So uh, if you get to the end of that, it doesn't end well. And it doesn't end well because that is a picture of what happens when human beings try to coexist on this earth together without any structure, law, or authority. We do not, as sinful human beings, know how to play well in the sandbox together. None of us. We need proctors. We need people to blow whistles. We need restraint so that we can all play in the sandbox together. If we didn't, it'd be like the purge every day. And that's a scary movie. All created, promoted, and affirmed representative government by Jesus. 
It's Christian. It's for our good. How about charity? The Good Samaritan ethic. Nobody has done more for the poor. Nobody has done more for the poor, the desolate, the marginalized, the down and out in our world than Christians. Why? Because of all that Jesus did and all that Jesus taught concerning them. Organizations like Goodwill, St. Vincent de Paul, Lapine Warming Center, which we're trying to keep going here in our own little community, they would all be gone had Jesus never come to earth. Who would do it? If Jesus never came to this earth, there would be no salvation army because there would be no salvation story. I don't know what they are now and what they're thinking now and what their policies are now and what they're doing now. I know it's all evolved and changed, but when it began, it was because there is a salvation story. The vast majority of grassroots outreach organizations to the poor were started by, ran by, spread by, guess who? Christians. We just went through this a few weeks ago in James that the pure and undefiled religion is to care for widows and orphans. Who reads that? We do. Who takes that to heart and then puts it into practice? We do. Christians. And it has had an incalculable impact throughout the world, throughout history, but not if Jesus had never come to this earth. The abolition of slavery. We can thank people like William Wilberforce, an evangelical Christian and a member of British Parliament in the 19th century who dedicated his life to abolish the slave trade. In America, who fought for and promoted the end of slavery? Christians, primarily. Christians. The Underground Railroad was run by Quakers and other Christians. I don't know why I gave Quakers their own category. They're Christians, too. Christians ran the Underground Railroad. railroad. In 1835, two-thirds of the members of the Abolition Society were ministers of the gospel of Christ. They were pastors making up that society. But this would not be so had Jesus never come to this earth. The restraint of every sexual perversion imaginable. And I know some of you are going, there ain't nothing restrained about it. I guarantee you there is. I guarantee you had Christ never come to this earth, had the church never existed with this, that it would not look, it would be far worse, far worse than it is right now. Do you have any idea how much scripture is dedicated to speaking against various sexual perversions? A ton of it. It's not a kid's book, it's funny. It's funny how we'll tell our kids not to read this and that, but we're always wanting to give them the Bible. Some of the, work, some of the most horrific stuff I have ever even, has ever entered my mind as a human has come from reading this book. It talks about it all. God doesn't prevent it or restrain it because he's a party crasher. He does it because our sexual abuses and perversions are extremely harmful on multiple levels to all societies and the world at large, whether incest or polygamy or pedophilia or bestiology or orgies or adultery, the Bible spends a ridiculous amount of time and narrative against these sexual perversions. You know why? Because they were all rampant, they were all practiced, and they were all accepted in almost every pagan culture around the world throughout history. It was a form of worship. 
You know what's in large part solely responsible for restraining these sexual evils in societies across the globe? Us. Christianity. And it's teaching and it's promotion of a one-man, one-woman, God-designed institution of marriage, which is there for our blessing, not our detriment. But had Jesus never come to this earth, the sexual anarchy that we are seeing around us right now would no doubt be infinitely multiplied. How about the elevation of women? Elevation, does anyone like that one? Cool. It was Jesus who stopped the stoning by religious leaders of a woman caught in adultery. It was Jesus who went to a Samaritan well that he was not supposed to go to, to see a woman that he was not supposed to see because she was a town whore, a Samaritan, and give her something that she didn't deserve. It was Jesus whose two best friends, two of the people on this earth that were closest to his heart, were women. He wasn't supposed to feel that way towards them. He wasn't culturally supposed to respond to them that way, but he did. And he showed the world the value in women. That's where the world gets the value in women that we have today and we enjoy. How about, and and again, guys, we can go on and on and on, but we actually need to move to two more categories, all right? High standards of justice, Christians. High regard for human life, Christians. Civilization of barbaric cultures like we talked about earlier in India. Christians, right? Greater development of art and music. Bach, Mozart, go throughout the greats, the big ones. Christians. But not if Jesus had never come to this earth. None of it would exist. It's kind of a big deal. It's kind of an amazing picture of the grace of God, even on the wicked, These are all benefits even to the wicked. Do you realize that? All of these things and much, much more that have made this world infinitely better than it otherwise would have been had Jesus never came to this earth. It's staggering to consider. It would be like what C.S. Lewis said. It would be winter all the time without Christmas. But now let's bring this a little closer to home. Let's consider how different it would look for us as believers if Jesus had never come to this earth. First, we'd still be under the law. That sucks. I don't know if you know anything about the law, but that's not good news. It's the absence of good news. We'd still be under the law. We would still be bound to it. We would still be obligated to do it always sacrificing, always striving, always performing, always working with no relief, no solution, and no salvation. No way out. There'd be no other alternative, no other way to God, but by our own perfect performance. And guess what? None of us possess that. None of us are righteous. No, not one. No one that's ever lived is righteous. No, not one set for one. And because there is no one apart from the man Jesus who has ever been perfect in law-keeping, we'd be under and awaiting the full, terrifying wrath of God. What a horrible thought. Merry Christmas. No, we're not going to stop there. 
We would be under the wrath of God because our sinless, spotless lamb had never come. In other words, there would exist no stand-in. There would be no substitute to take on and absorb God's wrath for sin on our behalf. We'd have to be perfect. And we can't, which means that heaven would be empty and hell would be maxed out. There would be no New Testament, at least not the way we have it. There would be no reason for it had Jesus never come to this earth. For those of you who find it a chore, like I sometimes do, I'll admit, or burdensome to read your Bibles, don't worry, because if Jesus never came to this earth, you wouldn't have to. There would be no good news in the Bible story, no good news in the Bible narrative. That the word became flesh and dwelt among us would not be a verse that we would know and take comfort in had Jesus never come. Think about this for a second. We would never have heard the words, if Jesus had never come to this earth, we would never have heard the words, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Those are words we would not know had Jesus never come to this earth. We would never be able to read the words in our most disgusting, sinful, darkest moments. By grace you have been saved through faith. And that is not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, gone, wouldn't be there. Think of any New Testament verse that encourages you, that gives you hope, it'd be gone. You could close your Bibles right now and play Bible bingo. Open to any page in the New Testament and look at anything you've underlined or highlighted. It wouldn't be there had Jesus never come. The only words we'd be familiar with would be the words concerning God's judgment and wrath towards us. If Jesus had never come to this earth, there would be no prayer. You like talking to the God of the universe, your Savior? Is that sometimes burdensome or a chore? You're in luck if Jesus never came to this earth because there would be no prayer. There would be no talking to God. There would be no access to the Father. Because if Jesus had never come to this earth, you wouldn't have to. Because our prayers, getting to God, and I'm assuming you guys all understand this, our prayers getting to God required Jesus coming to earth to be our righteousness and then ascending to heaven to the right hand of the Father on our behalf to be our advocate. That's what Jesus is doing right now. He's standing in the throne room next to the king of kings as a king of king, but he's carrying our stuff to the most high. If he wasn't there, nothing would be carried there. You're able to talk to God, communicate with God, be heard by the God of the universe anytime, anywhere, anyway, because Jesus came to this earth to give us access to the throne room. He came to connect the relational line between us and the throne room. But we wouldn't have it if he didn't. How about gospel community? How about what we're doing here this morning? How about what we heard here this morning? It'd be gone. Body of Christ, non-existent. Someone needing a ride somewhere. Letting her brothers and sisters in Christ know and someone else standing up and saying, I'll do it. The gatherings over food that we have together and fellowship, which hopefully will be more this coming year, 
than it was last year. I miss it. People praying for you, your family, your kids, gone. People checking in on you, encouraging you along, sending you a card or a text, or giving you a call to encourage you in Christ and be gone. Visiting you in your time of need, bringing meals to you when you're down. How many meals have we had, Carrie, over the years of believers taking care of us when we're down? Innumerable. People loving on us and doing for us what we're unable to do for ourselves in a time gone had Jesus never come. We'd all have to go and become members at a local CrossFit or the Elks Club just to feel like we belong somewhere and get some kind of semblance of community. And, and I don't like the sounds of that. That, does, that doesn't do what this does. Not even close. How about hymns? Songs, spiritual melodies that we love and enjoy like we sung this morning, gone, had Jesus never come to this earth. Christmas carols can sometimes annoy me. I'm just going to be honest, some of them are annoying, right? But easily the greater annoyance would be not having them at all. Songs like Joy to the World, gone. Why? Because the Lord hasn't come. Next verse, right? Silent Night. Hark the herald angels sing, right? Glory to the newborn king, gone. There would be, it wouldn't have been written had Jesus never come to this earth. And this list, this list of what we'd lose as believers who currently enjoy so much just goes on and on and on if we're to fully explore it, but we have to move on to finally and ultimately. What if Jesus never came to this earth? What it, would it look like for us in the life to come, in eternity? Do you like funerals? Stupid question, right? You guys are all just like, oh, do you want me to answer that? Or like, no, they suck. Funerals are horrible, me neither. I hate performing them, I hate being at them, I hate doing them but they would stink far more than they already do had Jesus never come to this earth. Far more. Because they would be only a mark, a moment in history of a loss and not in any, any way for anybody a gain. Only a loss. There would be nothing good to be hoped for on the other side for anybody. Just dread. We would have no hope had Jesus never come to this earth to do what he did, we would never hear verses like 2 Corinthians 5.8, which says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Hallelujah. That verse is a verse that makes me get out of bed on days I don't want to get out of bed. That verse is a verse that allows me to walk through things that I don't want to walk through. Knowing that no matter what happens, the worst thing that can happen to me is a, a complete gain, ultimately. Right? Paul tell, told us it would be far greater to go home to be with the Lord than to stay here. You know what that means? It's better there than it is here. But not if Jesus had never come. We would not be able to put our hope in passages like 1 Corinthians 15, which says, for when the trumpet sounds, when Jesus returns, those who have died in the Lord will be raised with transformed bodies. 
And when we who are living will be transformed, then we who are living will be transformed so that we will never die. For our perishable earthly bodies must be transformed into heavenly bodies that will never die. When this happens, when our perishable puts on the imperishable, then at last the scriptures will come true that say death is swallowed up in victory. Oh death, where is your victory and where is your sting? How we thank God who gives us victory over sin and death through Jesus Christ, our Lord. We would never hear a passage like that had Jesus never come to this earth. This truth, this promise, this hope would not exist had Jesus never come. The victory spoken of by Jesus over Satan, sin, and death on our behalf would not exist. Without Jesus Christ coming to earth, we have no hope of heaven. Period. Every hope we hold by faith for our future life depends on the true event of the past. That Jesus came to this earth to eradicate sin, death, and Satan so that we may be with him forevermore. And people, this is why Christmas matters. More than anything else you're going to get caught up in this week. It all hinges on the incarnation of Christ. If Jesus never left his rightful place in glory and actually left us getting what we deserved, none of this stuff would exist. None of these things that we know, love, and look forward to would be a reality for us. But they are. They are, praise God. Because he did come to this earth. He did take on human flesh. He did live a sinless life, taking care of the law for us that we could not take care of. He went to that cross enduring it for the joy that was set before him on the other side. He died, he rose, he conquered death, he ascended, and now he is there with the Father for you and I. We have everything to rejoice in. We have been given the greatest thing that anybody could ever be given. I don't care what you open Christmas morning under your tree. I don't care how cool it is. It ain't going to be this cool. This is the raddest gift right here that we could have is all the blessings, the fullness of the blessings and the glories in Christ Jesus because he came to us as one of us. So Merry Christmas. Lord, thank you for humbling yourself to the point of leaving your rightful place in glory to do something that doesn't make any sense. I don't know what you saw in us, God, but I thank you that you did. I don't know what kind of value you saw in us, but I thank you, God, that, that it's there, that it exists. And I thank you, God, that while we had our hands tied and were passive, as we were unable to climb any ladder towards you, that you descended on the ladder to an imperfect world to buy it with your own blood. What a beautiful story that this world needs to hear. And we thank you for it. To the glory of your son's name, amen.